Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to Imp's WWE Adventures podcast on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. You can help the network out by leaving us a five-star review. You can also give a donation directly through Red Circle and become one of the amazing community by joining the Social Suplex Discord. Link is in the description down below. Listen to the other top-notch shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style, All Things Elite, Wrestling Arbicus Things, Trish and Sarah, and Tunnel Talk. My name is Matt Mayer, a.k.a. Imp, and this is your quick look back at the WWE week that was. 30 minutes until the potatoes are golden brown. We had a week of Elimination Chamber, a week of Monday Night Raw building directly to WrestleMania in the Elimination Chamber aftermath, and an NXT building to Roadblock next week and Stand and Deliver the week after that. So a week with direction, with intention, with purpose. Surely this is WWE's hot streak as we build to WrestleMania. Their hottest period of the year. Well, let's, have, let's, let's see. Let's see how they're doing it. Let's actually go through it and talk about it. Uh, take absolutely no time to immediately jump into Elimination Chamber, Perth, Australia. <laughs> Two Elimination Chamber matches. We had a tag team title match with Judgment Day versus the UK Republic, and we had Ray Ripley defending the Women's WWE Women's World Heavyweight Championship. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> Might just be WWE Women's Championship. She defended in a main event against Nia Jax in a huge step up for Ray Ripley before we go into WrestleMania. There's a lot of rumours of what's going to be the main event at WrestleMania. There's quite a few calls for either of the women's title matches to main event the show. I feel like they're calls being made with the knowledge that it's going to be the tag team match. It's one of those where it's being thrown out there because we know what the main event is. But there are quite a few fans would like to see the women main event. We know that's not going to happen. <laughs> because something else is likely to main event. But in terms of Elimination Chamber from Perth, Australia, a huge event. There's a huge shout out to uh, Josh Robinson as well, who's had his moment this past week. It's been awesome to see. It was. It seemed to be a really good time for Australia itself. I feel like that's the takeaway from this is if you weren't in Australia, it, it seemed like not that big a show in terms of the actual product. Like they put it on his, in, in a big stadium. But like watching it back home, like I got people telling me that they thought it was a C-level show. Like I didn't think it was C-level. But for me, I thought that as like emblematic, that people weren't massively enamoured with this show. It felt like a lower level, even though it was in a big stadium in a foreign country. But you feel like, outside, in terms of like the outside of the Saudi Arabia stuff, this is the first time I've kind of felt that this didn't feel like a huge deal. Just because there was so much not there on the card. The chamber matches themselves with a big deal. Like when they've done shows somewhere else before, there's always been the massive draw of Roman Reigns or something big like that. So, like with the Saudi Arabia shows, they've always had some form of big matches there. And when they've come to the UK, they've had big matches too. I just assumed for the backlash in Paris and the bash in Germany, I just assumed <laughs> that they're going to have big matches on there. But this, this was weird. They had Rhea Ripley. 
And Very Ripley was a huge main event. It was a huge platform for her. Make it feel like a huge deal for Becky Lynch, then go and face at WrestleMania. But yeah, it was a show overall that didn't have that oomph that the other foreign shows had. But it seems like everybody in Australia loved it. <laughs> so I put that massive asterisk there. That me as a UK person absolutely loved both those UK shows that they did. And I I thought this, the consensus was the same for the Americans, but maybe it's not. And maybe this is a nice little example of uh, when they're given a show, blind goggles were on <laughs> for the UK. In terms of the elimination team, it seemed to be a fun show for Perth, Australia, a perfectly fine show for everybody else. All I know, that's what the Money in the Bank show also was, but I loved it blind because I'm English. <laughs> uh, anyway, just talk about the women's chamber first as I've already kind of alluded to it. Becky Lynch versus Liv Morgan versus Raquel Rodriguez, not Gonzalez, I keep saying that, Tiffany Stratton, Bianca Belair, and the returned Naomi to round off the list of contestants. I thought this was the better chamber match of the night. I just had more fun with it. Maybe I was less tired going in. There's something about WWE shows that I sometimes find more tiring than <laughs> than I do AEW shows. It seems that's not the norm. It seems more people get tired during the AEW shows because AEW is the idea of their shows is great wrestling into like match one after the other. You have the same matches on an AEW card as you do a WWE card. And because of that structure, you're more likely to get tired with the AEW card just because there isn't that, there aren't those breaks in between. And it's great match after great match, so your attention is kind of just needed for a longer period. Whilst a WWE show, it'd be like a three, four hour show, and there'd only be an hour or so of wrestling. That there's a lot of fluff, <laughs> a lot of in between stuff, especially in the Peacock era. That maybe this will all die once it goes to Netflix. Something tells me Netflix will pretty much have a similar structure of just adverts in this place. But it really does feel like when you watch the WWE show, there's nowhere near as much wrestling. There's a lot of fluff. There's a lot of big entrances. There's a lot of downtime. Just where things just there's just not in the match. <laughs> but yeah, the women's chamber match I thought was the better of the two. I had a really fun time with it. I don't think it did like anything crazy, but I was just more invested in the action. As I was saying, I could have been more tired for the men's, but there was something about the women's which just seemed more fun. When it comes to WWE. I've got a very different kind of bar in terms of like how I analyse the shows. I don't feel like, like with AEW, you're kind of looking for that high calibre work rate and those kind of matches to really get you sucked in. Whilst that's not really the bar for WWE, that's not their, as I say, it's not their ethos, but that's that's not really the way to approach a WWE show. Because <laughs> that's not what they're going to provide. For me, this Women's Chamber provided a much better kind of structure of what WWE tend to do with their matches. It does the creativity, it does of getting people behind, it does of elevate, elevating people within the match. I thought it did a really good job. Obviously, 100% the right winner. It's foreshadowing who the winner was. I think I'll get a bit more into uh, the Becky Lynch uh, winning stuff of Ray Ripley when I talk about their segment from Raw. But it was a really fun chamber, which were nice creative sequences, which did a really good job of like the giving Liv Morgan some momentum as well. Having Raquel Rodriguez seem like a big deal in terms of her strength and her power. Bianca Belair, obviously the absolute perfect person to then go against that, where she marries both the strength and the athleticism too. Tiffany Stratton getting the Australian crowd properly behind her. (laughs) And commentary weren't playing the game of, oh, we're in wacko country. (laughs) We're in the weird place. They didn't do any of that. But Tiffany Stratton got way, way more cheers, maybe, than they were anticipating. The crowd were really behind her in this match. They booed when she got eliminated. They were really behind Tiffany Stratton. Uh, Bianca Belair, obviously, as impressive as always. And Naomi got to do her little, like, a return proper performance as well before getting eliminated first, which is a bit of a surprise. 
But I guess it does like direction and investment in the character because she's only just returned and she hasn't done it in a way like CM Punk where she's immediately inserted into storylines or inserted into like pro- doing promos backstage or whatever. She's more of a slow bubble return. It's, it's fine just because her character doesn't have any momentum at the moment because she's only just returned and maybe won't be getting any until after WrestleMania. Uh, Tiffany Stratton got loads of character work on last week's role. She also put in a really impressive performance. She seems to be the kind of wrestler who just seems very calm and collected in a performance. That level of competency with the, the, this strong of a character as well. Like she screams the future and they're, they're putting her in at a nice, a nice pace. I like her being featured strongly without being like the focus of all the big stories. She's kind of injecting herself, being like, I'm great, <laughs> putting herself in there. Person who got injected, and uh, I'm going to quickly scroll down to my notes just to see, do I talk about the Becky Lynch and Morgan stuff in my other notes later? No, I don't. This was what sparked up a bit of a conversation online in what I'll call one of the most nothing <laughs> conversations I think I've seen seemingly a minority fan base confusing wrestler I'm a fan of with her not winning equals bad like, it's good that you're a fan of them good that it's fine that you stand them <laughs> it's fine that you got that big support that's absolutely fine however that person not winning doesn't then mean everything equals bad burn the earth this person's overbooked because Becky Lynch isn't overbooked Becky Lynch is the exact perfect really right amount of booked <laughs> end of discussion there isn't really anything to say about that like in terms of like the investment into the character in the world and everything what's been built up and all of that inserting Liv Morgan into this program isn't even the right idea things take a lot more time to bubble and to get to their like key points in the in the storylines and everything it makes no sense <laughs> to uh, to try to force Liv in there or anything I don't think it's got any ground really it just feels like a fan base of somebody got annoyed that their person didn't win. And the entire point of this is to elevate Ray Ripley. It's not about, oh, Becky's only got this. I don't know. Becky's entire year has been elevating all the other people. She had the NXT Women's Championship to give time on television to people who were not getting it and currently either aren't getting it or got elevated because of that. One of those people who got elevated because of it is Tiffany Stratton. The reason, One of the reasons she got as strong as a evasion she got here was because of her match with Becky Lynch. Like Becky Lynch helped get Tiffany Stratton that momentum. She's going to do it again with Ray Ripley. That's the entire point of the feud. I'm not saying that in a... Uh, Becky Lynch is so good that she's going to give Ray Ripley even more momentum. I'm like, no, by design, the point of the programme is to really establish Ray Ripley <laughs> and to really make her the star. And the final piece that's left in doing that is the former person who was the massive star giving her that torch. This is the last step within that to make Ray Ripley that bigger star. After WrestleMania, you can do a Liv Morgan programme. Yeah, sure. But her character has no momentum and the only people who are fully behind her character at the moment are her fan base. <laughs> because on screen, on the TV product, we haven't been given enough reasons to get behind her as a character. Her character has no momentum to chase after the title. It would make no sense. <laughs> sure, you can build those reasons for doing so, but you do that before Elimination Chamber. Like When she arrives at the Royal Rumble, you start to feature her as a main character, a main protagonist within the stories, which has not happened. Surely you'd want her to have a better programme after WrestleMania than to force her into a place that the character doesn't belong? When the character hasn't been established to live here, <laughs> pardon the pun, <laughs> it doesn't make any, it doesn't make sense. Uh, the men's chamber of uh, Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, Logan Paul, LA Knight, Bobby Lashley and Randy Orton I thought was perfectly fine. Something that kind of hindered it was the fact that Drew McIntyre was so clearly the winner. And there were a bunch of lads in there who aren't even on Raw. The Women's Chamber 
at least had every, every one of the characters within there. At least you knew where the, what the playing field was. Know why everybody was in the match, what they were going for. And they all got established and elevated in a certain way through the match. Whilst the men's chamber was Drew McIntyre and a bunch of lads who were like, oh, that's a title, why not? <laughs> Drew McIntyre was the only one with a character through line and reason for being in this match and a reason to genuinely win and really go for that title. Everybody else was kind of like, ah, it's a title. Sure, I'm not going to turn down a title match in WrestleMania. So sure, why not? Not not quite the same level <laughs> of investment here. Only one of them's even on Monday Night Raw. So it's absolutely no shock. <laughs> Drew McIntyre went ahead and won. And yeah, he deserved to get the win. And he's the hater of the generation. He's doing absolutely amazing work with his heel work at the moment. Uh, CM Punk getting injured has been absolutely incredible for Drew McIntyre. The story they've been able to tell works so well. And they've, they've carried CM Punk's relevancy through in spirit so incredibly well through the Drew McIntyre character. It's working to perfection. And now Drew McIntyre, with what he did on Raw, inserted himself into that program really well too. I mean, everybody in this match put on an entertaining enough show. Logan Paul with his antics, at LA Knight with his super popularity, with AJ Styles flying to the edge of the world and oh, nearly falling off <laughs> as he flies over to attack LA Knight, which I, I remember saying in my notes that I thought AJ Styles would just attack LA Knight in his qualifier. In my head, that's how you get Jonah in. However, of course, Jonah, sorry, Bronson Reed. Uh, Bronson Reed wasn't able to make the show because he's had a baby, Papa Reed. Yeah, Kevin Owens and Logan Paul kind of, I thought would, con would continue their feud in some way just because of the way the Rumble match ended. However, the way that this chamber ended more alluded to Randy Orton getting retribution against Logan Paul at WrestleMania. I feel like Bobby Lashley didn't really have that big an effect on the match, really. Ellie Knight was there for the angle. Drew McIntyre was the star of the show. All the eyes turning to him in time for WrestleMania and Seth Rollins. I feel like they did a decent job at setting people into their WrestleMania feuds and getting Drew McIntyre ready for Seth Rollins. Like, you got AJ Styles early night on the really hurting, hurting towards a match against each other at WrestleMania. That'll be a good showcase for the early night character, giving him a match against the experienced guy in AJ Styles. Randy Orton and Logan Paul seems fun enough for Logan Paul. Don't know what Kevin Owens is doing, which feels a bit crazy given how incredibly popular he was alongside Sami Zayn going into the main event of WrestleMania last year. But that was a men's chamber. Not really a lot to say about it. I mean, I've got I've got less to say about Judgment Davis and New Catch Republic. <laughs> it was like, it was a match, wasn't it? Yep, it was on. End of that. Yeah, I, uh, and obviously I do love the uh, Birmingham. <laughs> That's the thing. Quincidentally, I'm going to Birmingham to watch Dune. <laughs> I'm watching the new Dune film in Birmingham. So I will be a Birminghammer <laughs> this, this Saturday. Anyway, uh, the main event, maybe a plea for Nia Jax. Nia Jax has been so good in her role here. I felt this is the kind of match to her strengths and really making Ray Ripley seem like that huge deal. Giving her the big stage, the big entrance, the huge pyro, the amazing reaction from her hometown crowd. Giving her the pyro and fireworks as the show goes off the air. She holds the title up high. Looking like an absolutely huge deal. So they got all of those images to then feed into the packages and promotions and stuff for WrestleMania with a match against Becky Lynch. Where she feels like the dominant champion. The, the absolutely huge star that's been created. The match was fine. <laughs> like, whatever. Again, it feels like it was almost like a decent middle-of-the-road WWE Championship match. You can see on television or whatever. But both brought their game to elevate it somewhat. It kind of it felt like it was the right main event for the level of show that was put on. Really, it was more about really getting her moment and having her moment in the sun. And this is really what it was. Almost like the quality of the match will never be remembered and doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. It was all about giving Rhea Ripley her stage. 
can maybe even use this to promote further Australia shows to give uh, make Ripley a huge star that can continue to probably make WWE money in that country. Although I think this was a government paid show closer to how it works in Saudi Arabia. I think uh, I say I think because this this show was absolutely littered with <laughs> tourism stuff and so many tourism adverts. I can't remember how many times I, it felt like every single time they came back from an ad break, they transitioned back in with a tourism video and then went in and that means you're getting like three or four tourism videos on the, over the course of the show uh, anyway with that said I would say Elimination Chamber was a success for what it was trying to do if you're somebody that is looking for your high quality uh, wrestling matches this wasn't for you AW Revolution is this Sunday that'll be the show for you this wasn't it <laughs> Elimination Table wasn't that but if you're looking for the spectacle for that huge WWE show inside the stadium and probably getting her moment Elimination Chamber was entirely for you anyway off of that let's jump on over to California for Monday Night Raw ladies and gentlemen please welcome the winner of the 2024 Men's Elimination Chamber match Drew McIntyre, currently the top nominee for 2024 Hater of the Year, and now number one contender for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. He and Becky entering as the two Elimination Chamber winners. Hey, sometimes predictable doesn't equal bad, because in this case, predictable equals, they both foreshadowed it and flat out told you as the audience. <laughs> A bit odd to go, Ugh, predictable if someone does something they told you they were going to do. <laughs> and not in a way of we are telling this you so we can maybe curveball you. It's like, no, we're telling this you because that's where we're going. Drew McIntyre with so many good lines. But that's not what Denis Villeneuve was talking about. <laughs> you idiots. <laughs> don't know what he was saying. Drew saying that after the chamber, the doctor was analysing his eardrum and said you could be hurt and need to miss WrestleMania. To which Drew says... Who do I think I am? CM Punk? And <laughs> before then, sitting down cross-legged. Legged. I was like, oh, yes, so good. Also, then just, I don't know how many people caught this, but as he was sitting down, he didn't just said to the cameraman, don't shoot up my kilt, you perv. <laughs> I just love that. Him saying to CM Punk, I know you're straight-edged, so on the way home, I drank enough for the both of us to celebrate. Just an absolute generational hater. Easily the top nominee for hater of the year. And there's some strong, cont- like Nigel McGuinness with Brian Danielson, I want to say probably my winner of last year. <laughs> but Drew McIntyre, CM Punk, oh, he's a top contender at the moment with his uh, CM Punk stuff. Sethy boy, Seth Rollins, out to promote their beef for WrestleMania. Drew telling Seth to back off from the bloodline. Doesn't get why he's fighting that battle. But really, Drew is saying that because he doesn't want his WrestleMania moment tainted once again. I just love that character note. He doesn't want his win against Seth Rollins to be tainted by the Bloodline stuff, but in reality, it's because his last title win was tainted, and he doesn't want to have it to happen again. He's not saying it really out... Because he does say the words, I want you in your best condition, but the kind of like bigger picture, the actual reason why he's saying those words, he can't have another tainted title win. And I just love that aspect of his character. And if anything, that just hyped up Grand Setherton into... Some risks are worth taking. So his words to Seth Rollins, not taking effect. I just love the dynamic that Seth Rollins is dead set on doing this tag match with Cody Rhodes to face the bloodline. But Drew McIntyre as a character who's so against it, it's just an interesting dynamic to insert into there. 
like how what does Drew McIntyre the the character do? Because the, the other part of his character is starting to be like, I told you, but if you're not going to do it, I'm not going to stop you from doing that. <laughs> so maybe if it just even though he doesn't want his win to be tainted, is he actually going to stop Seth Rollins? I feel like that's a that's an avenue which they've started to explore a bit by him just being a bit hypocritical. So what I'm saying here, where he doesn't want his reign to be tainted. Will he actually care? <laughs> Will he just play that hypocritical role again and just do it regardless, even though he's saying he doesn't want it to happen, but he's not going to do anything to stop Seth? I like, I like it. They're setting up the dynamics really well for it. There's a lot you could play with here. As for the other Elimination Chamber winner, uh, Rhea Ripley kicked off the show as a now pay-per-view main eventing champion. Becky out as number one contender to sell us on their WrestleMania match. Becky positioned as the heart and soul of Raw, whilst Rey has been on top as the dominant champion. So you've got the heart and soul versus the dominant champion. Whilst Nijax attacked poor Bex from behind as uh, Rey was exiting up the ramp. A nice little touch with the officials coming out to protect their WrestleMania match before Nia could hit her and Nia later. How do I write that? <laughs> do I put Nia in the middle of it? So it's like, and Nia later? <laughs> Is that how it's meant to be? Wrestlers like to do that. They like to put their names in things. But yeah, this was a just selling us on the main structure and concept of their match, the heart and soul versus the dominant champion. And the dominant champion who is almost, in terms of popularity, like the Becky Lynch of her time, that she is the one who is incredibly over. There's almost that feeling that Becky Lynch, when I say could get booed, I just mean it in the sense of you're not Rhea Ripley. And Rhea Ripley is so over that in the match at WrestleMania, Becky Lynch could get booed. And I almost feel like you don't need to lean into it into the build, but in, on, on the night itself, it makes all the sense in the world to just have Becky just lean a little bit more heel, have Ripley lean a little bit more face. Maybe you could play off the f- actual Austin and Brett stuff, <laughs> when in reality, both Brett and Austin had been set up to be already moving into the different heel and face roles, and in the dynamics, it wasn't all done in one match. Pretty much already happened, and then the match just cemented the turns. You could do the same here. You could have Rhea Ripley just leaning more and more babyface and have Becky leaning more... When I say more and more heel, I think I still believe that Becky doesn't need to be doing that. It doesn't have to happen. It doesn't hurt the match to have that dynamic added to it as well. But I don't think it's like needed for it to work because Becky can just work a bit more heel on the night. And I feel like everybody will accept that. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. She can then pay respect to Rhea Ripley afterwards. She doesn't need to be heel for this to work. But anyway... Nia Jax is the dickhead, though, on the road to WrestleMania. <laughs> so she's playing that role. I feel like they are, they are just going to have Becky and Rhea both remain in their roles, and then maybe Rhea turns a bit more face, but I don't see Becky turning heel, really. Uh, on, in terms of like the rest of the stuff on the show, uh, Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Like, hey, they're great. Why not just run it again? A Sami Zayn's WrestleMania story on, for his road is like commentary telling us Sami is looking for retribution and to build a winning streak on the road to WrestleMania. And the crowd were right behind the Canadian as he hulluva kicked knackers to a great pop, positioning Zayn as one of the potential big stage opponents for Gunter. And I wrote that before Gunter walked up to him backstage to make that sentiment more obviously stated. <laughs> I was like, oh cool, wasn't just a little vibe I was picking up on, it was directly doing so. I was like, oh that's great. Speaking of, the Intercontinental Champion Gunter, now at 626 days, stared down Sammy backstage, flat out asks the question, who should face me at WrestleMania? Sami Zayn, Chad Gable, The Miz. I've even heard people say our oh, truth, which brings out the Judgment Day for Damian Priest to also throw an extra name into that hat. Not his, but Dominic Mysterio's. 
to a oh, standing ovation of, oh, yes, he deserves it, chance. <laughs> you deserve it, Dom. <laughs> One of that stuff. I will say, with Andrade backstage having his segment with Dom Mysterio as well, it feels a little bit strange that Walter is the guy getting all of the potential challenges, which often leads into a ladder match for WrestleMania. The last thing I want to see is Gunter be champion for over 600 days and then at WrestleMania be put in a ladder match. That is the last thing I want to see. <laughs> I want it to be a singles match, no matter who it's against. When I say singles, like, triple threat obviously from last year was incredible. I just wouldn't mind seeing a singles match. For me, it's Sami Zayn. You just put Sami Zayn in that ring <laughs> against Gunter and let them go. That's all, that's all I want to see. That's all I want to see. Then you can do the multi-man stuff. You can do the, you can do the ladder match with Logan Paul. He's like, that's perfect for him. He's the absolute perfect guy to do that. Like, unless you've got a story you're trying to build with either Randy Orton or Kevin Owens. But the last thing I want to see is Gunter in a ladder match. That's the last place I want to see him lose that title. Even if their logic is, we want to make him a dominant champion, we want him to defeat Seth Rollins and him to take it instead of uh, Drew or anybody. Like, even if that's your idea, having him drop the title without being pinned so they can pick up the main world title... I still, I still, I don't think it would hurt him just to put someone over. <laughs> I don't think him losing does any damage if you follow it up strong enough with them pushing him to the world title. Something tells me the fans will accept it. There's nothing wrong <laughs> with losing a match, it's fine. Street Fight, Imperium versus New Day. What a fun match this was. Great viciousness. New Day going for the cheap bop in the San Jose Sharks jersey. A team who I definitely heard of before writing that note down. <laughs> I'm English. I don't know your NFL team. Never mind your ice hockey. And yes, the crowd did chant, we want tables. They're conditioned simpletons. <laughs> in the end, Kofi fell to the you-go-through-the-table-that-you-set-up rule, leaving Xavier to get trayed in the head and whipped headfirst into a chair propped in the corner. Kaiser with the roll-up for the win. A really fun match in the middle of Monday Night Raw. Speaking of like, other little positives, a little change in the uh, previously-on post-pay-per-view start-of-show order. That's right. It's new production, The Dunn is Dead. Like instead of starting with the pay-per-view video with, at the start of the show, which can feel like another wall before the show starting after you just got through the adverts, we started outside the arena, then showed Drew and Becky walking in, then played the pay-per-view previously on, placed within the order like the final piece of our transition into the building. None of this is groundbreaking, but the production actually feels thought through. We are slowly walking into the arena. Almost, I felt like this is actually maybe the best place to put this video in terms of us slowly walking into the arena. Is that you've got the physical side, then you've got the story side of everything that's happening, then you see into the arena. Uh, we also got an elaboration on the long shot walking down the ramp and moving around the ring. All here for it. I like the offer they did last week as well, where they, I think they either got up on the apron behind one of the tags. We got the Jey Uso behind the tag <laughs> that other week. Even attempted, as we return from an ad break, a steady walking down the stairs shot after one of the ad breaks. <laughs> that was nice to see them try it. The one thing I'm not a fan of is the Pat McAfee NFL-like zoom-ins. Difficult to make drawing a circle and zooming in work when the lass is selling it as visually as possible for Rosie. But also, I have seen Americans laughing and loving this. So maybe it's because I'm English. Maybe it's because I find it a little bit cheesy whenever I've seen an NFL thing do it. And because I don't watch NFL, that culture of them doing a thing, therefore other people should do it, doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> and I just found it a bit eh. And it doesn't work for me at all. But I will admit, I've seen Americans having it work for them. 
maybe it's just a culture thing that does not translate outside of America. And <laughs> maybe just got to bring it up and admit it. Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Grayson Waller. Uh, that's just a bit, a bit of fun, wasn't it? <laughs> there we go, I've talked about it now. <laughs> And that, and that was Monday Night Raw, a fun follow-up to Elimination Chamber, uh, further setting the table for WrestleMania, if not anything like groundbreaking. Uh, we've got The Rock on uh, back again on SmackDown for this week to progress things further, to answer Cody Rhodes' chat. Oh, I didn't even mention that. Uh, I brought up Cody Rhodes and uh, Grayson Waller, because that was set up during their segment at Elimination Chamber. But Cody Rhodes laid down the challenge to The Rock at WrestleMania in a singles match. It screams that this is going to end up being a tag match. So they're just holding off what the actual reveal is just for that little bit longer. Maybe they've got a reason for it. My assumption is it just it just gets made a tag match just so you know 40 days ahead of time what the actual match is. And maybe their theory is The Rock being in, a name in the main event is enough. Anyway, that is the end of Monday Night Raw. With that, let's transition over to NXT. Truth will ultimately prevail. But there is pain bringing it to light. So, this is how it went down. Liar Valkyria calls out Tatum Paxley, who emerges crawling from the crowd like a creepy fan, because of course she does. Lyra surprises her with a shot at the Kabuki Warriors Tag Team Championship, when Ridge Holland, of all people, interrupts them, just kicking the NXT Women's Champion out of the ring, and the now number one contenders for the Women's Tag Team titles, just kicking them out of the ring. Out, out you get women. <laughs> out you go. He says he wants to apologise for his violent actions. Of course, getting the heel heat, because... By him trying to seem like the good guy, he's just been a dick. <laughs> I guess that's meant to be the juxtaposition of it. You immediately feel a clash of his words. When the lights go out, the writing on the wall, and a familiar voice is reading those out. Is it Okada? Is it a plane? <laughs> Lol, of course not. <laughs> Sean Spears returns to Orlando, Florida. Perfect 10 returns home, seemingly bringing the uh, Mr. Chairman gimmick with him as he wallops Ridge across the back soaks in the feeling of hitting somebody with a chair as the NXT crowd welcome him back home. If you don't know, the first podcast I ever recorded was with my uh, friend Burn from Laws of Pain back, back in the day. Our podcast was called Perfect 10 Wrestling <laughs> all those years ago. I feel like I'm a bigger fan of Sean Spears than a lot of other people. <laughs> so when I say, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm happy to see him in NXT... I wouldn't say I'm, I'm like over the moon. Oh my god, this is incredible! Like, yeah, this is definitely worth losing out on Osprey Ocado and Mercedes Monet. It's <laughs> definitely worth losing those names out to get Sean Spears and Lexis King. Oh, I mean, they got Jay Cargo over it. I feel like the second get goes to AW, and personally, I would say that I like both sides getting good wins. <laughs> both sides getting good wins, making both of their shows stronger, is great for everybody. But yeah, um, interesting to see him there. He's going to have a match with Ridge. Still find it hilarious that some people thought it was Okada. Yeah, nice to see Sean Spears returning. I can't remember if they said on commentary Sean Spears or what they said, or they just said he's back or whatever. Uh, but it was nice to see him uh, doing chess. NXT is a perfectly fine place, even if it does lift the average age up as another 40-year-old the week after Gallows and Anderson return. 
So does Mr. Chairman. <laughs> the, the average NXT shooting through the roof. <laughs> the youngsters get some good experience from some older vets. Anyway, to the show itself, I've got notes numbers-wise, but I haven't really got a lot of additional commentary to make on said notes. So, so we'll get through them. Um, we'll get to talk about NXT. Uh, Wrestling Observers voted worst commentator of the year. Booker T returns to the desk. So... If you watch NXT, uh, be warned, I guess, because some, some people voted in for worst commentator. Champion Ilya opened the show, calling out Carmelo. And we got a nice little through-the-episode story. I'm always a fan of these. Melo security forming a wall for the challenger to chat shit. This is important. It's not just a random gimmicky visual for the first segment. Uh, the crowd kindly greeting him with the PG clap chant of Shut the hell up. It's, like, oh, it's nice of him to PG and censor themselves, you know? <laughs> it's a different environment. Uh, setting up their match between the two, like later in the show, Carmelo set on only wrestling with the contract set. He will only be out there if he gets that contract for Roadblock. Uh, running through the show to the main event... We're ending the night with a contract signing for NXT Roadblock, ran by general manager Ava. Before Melo can make his statement, out comes the Don, Tony D'Angelo, the hide security, all jumping down, leaving after the Don's command. Uh, For for me, that was a really great visual way to just signify his power in this and immediately, very quickly, elevate him to somebody who does deserve to be there. The crowd reaction paired with it was the kind of perfect audio companion. Taking Ava's seat at the table and inserting himself into the picture, Tony stating he'll be facing Melo in a number one contenders match next week, playing off the fact that Melo hasn't done anything to earn that NXT Championship match that he wants. Hayes, though, gets the final say of the night, signing the contract to face Andrew next week and slamming him through a table. I thought this did a really good job of setting up next week, with the winner facing the champion at Standard Deliver. Melo's trying to force himself into this match, saying that he is the star of NXT. He is the face, he just needs to take it. And him nearly doing it kind of almost proves his point until another wrestler pipes up. It's like, wait, no, you have to earn this. You can't just have it because you say you, you deserve it. That's not how this works. So he has, he's going to earn that championship match. Either this is uh, the way that Trick returns and costs him, or you get a little bit more heat for Melo and you give him just a little bit extra character work before then facing Ilya as standard deliver. And that's when Trick gets his own back. Uh, yeah, they set things up nicely. Decent enough. <laughs> Decent enough. And also nice to see uh, the Don get an elevation just to see where his character can work in the different levels of the uh, NXT. Because then you've got at least some idea how it could work on the main roster. Good Brothers NXT Wrestling Time. Against Edris and Malik. Energy of youth versus no-nonsense vent- veteran clobberers and headlocks. <laughs> Spinebuster and the Magic Killer for the win. But that's not the story. The story is that after the match was a repeat of last week chase you through their section of the crowd and, oh my god, Axiom in a turtleneck. (laughs) Now that is a look, that is a style. Wrestlers in masks, they all know a style when they see one. And yes, Axiom wore a turtleneck. (laughs) I just love that he, in every single sense, acts like an absolutely normal lad. (laughs) Apart from his entrance where he gets the super fast, like blurry speed stuff the way that he wrestles and everything in the ring. Aside from that, he's just presented as a normal man. It's just an ordinary man. It's just an ordinary man. (laughs) I love it. LWO dropkick off the top ropes to announce their arrival too. Our wolf dog champions just laugh up on high in the crowd. And we get our tag team scene set for the near future. 
After that, Dijak Vista versus Mr. Lawyer Man Luke, Luca Crucifino. Oh, my mouth. That's not a. Uh, in terms of like name, uh, mouth feel good. Luca, Luca Crucifino did not mouth feel good. <laughs> uh, lower score on the review. Uh, Gacy out after the match, uh, breaking out of his straight jacket. Mr. Lawyer Man clobbers poor Dijak with a crowbar from behind to let Gacy attack. And our in ring main event the Heritage Cup of Noam Dar versus. One of the catch gang. It's Charlie Dempsey, who looks so much like if Steve Coogan played William Regal in the movie. <laughs> That's all I think about when I see him. Dempsey ahead with his awesome bridge pin getting the first score. Dars running into Gary, the Super Rover, finally equalises in round four. Catch crew shenanigans in the end. Work as a distraction. Noam Dar fighting off of each one, but Charlie taking the opening and scoring a dragon suplex pin for the win. Our new Heritage Cup champion, uh, Vic Joseph, making sure to emphasise, or should I say champions, so maybe we're getting some form of freebird rule defence, or as they said, it's part of their catch crews contracts and things, that all of their matches work to this way, and that's now integrated into the Heritage Cup, so you don't know who will be defending the cup when you face them as a challenger. Hey, it's a nice... Uh, it's a nice little fun dynamic just to be, it's like the third tier championship just to do something different. I feel like the Hedges Cup fits quite nicely into that. And that's it. That is the end of the NXT review. A perfectly decent show that was setting up Deadline next week. I feel like Deadline's obviously going to have more to say about it as we come out of that. And the rest we set up to stand and deliver. But yeah, this was a, felt like a show that was setting the table just to test out a few different things which then means like not being tested out yet <laughs> just setting the table so some weeks it feels like you're watching a developmental show <laughs> and this was one of them the table was being set differently just to try some some new things out which is the perfect dynamic for a developmental throwing stuff at the wall and trying things out see how they work that's how i want my uh, nxt to be to be doing the super indie days are over so you might as well work it as a developmental anyway that is the end of the show Elimination Table was decent fun, but the road to WrestleMania is really kicking along. So we'll see what happens. And of course, we got we kick off the show next week talking about The Rock and his return, and as he maybe answers Cody's challenge. Uh, so with that, I say thank you for listening, liking, and engaging in any form, any manner. Always appreciated. Never take it for granted. With that, I'll be back next week, and I bid you adieu. Adios. <laughs>